0: I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. So, today we will be having Annie Larson. She is a well renowned psychic medium, and we're going to see what she has to say. Hello, how are you doing today?
1: Good, Jimbo. How are you?
0: Great, great. So, can you kind of give me a brief summary of who you are, what you're about, and what your message is?
1: Sure. My name is Annie Larson, and I work as a psychic medium. Medium is somebody who talks to loved ones in spirit, and a psychic is somebody who reads energy in and around people. I've been doing this work most of my life. I work Just outside of Washington, DC, but I do a lot of work throughout the United States and even internationally, especially in the state with COVID, with phone and being able to do, uh, you know, Zoom type sessions and stuff like that. I also work as a Reiki Master healer. I'm a Reiki Master teacher, which is simply working with the energy of people to bring them back into balance, channeling the Reiki energy to people. Uh, again, to bring them back into balance. And I also do past life regressions and some astrology. So all of the things that I do kind of all mesh together. So when you're working with people, you're actually working with their energy for healing, or you're working with their energy to kind of see what's going on psychically, if there's anything going on in their lives. So all of the things that I do kind of just mesh together.
0: So, that's actually very interesting because you're the first ever psychic that has a lot of kind of diverse talents, like you do Reiki and you do certain types of readings at the same time. Do you think that gives you sort of a competitive edge over a lot of people?
1: I don't know if I'm looking for an edge. I'm really just looking for what's called to me and what I'm called to do is help people heal. So I believe that when you do things like mediumship readings, talking to loved ones on the other side, and doing uh, psychic intuitive type readings, that these are healing, they're calming for people. So for me, doing Reiki, I started doing Reiki, I was attuned in the 1990s, I've always been drawn to people's energy. So for me, doing a psychic reading and doing Reiki, to me are one and the same. It's just channeling energy, channeling a specific channel that Yasui found for healing. And then doing past life regressions for me, that really is about more in line with healing. It's going back into past lives and maybe discovering things about yourself in a past life that maybe you need to address in this lifetime to heal. And I can give some examples of that. And then astrology walks hand in hand with everything that I do, because it's people's blueprint for why they're here. So as an astrologer, I'm looking at the karma that you brought in, and you're the one who decided where to be born and what time and what place.
0: When you think about all these different things, what sort of, did you ever have these abilities as a younger person or did you have to sort of cultivate these and sort of build up this awareness that you have would you call it clairvoyance
1: well yeah clairvoyance, being able to see things with my mind's eye which clairvoyance is um i've always been this way i've always felt energies around me I've always um, had feelings about people. I had dreams that come came true. I still have dreams that come true. I've always been this way. When I was younger, I actually worked as a psychic and a medium. But this was way back in the 70s. So there wasn't a lot of um, people out there really leading the way. Uh, for psychics and mediums to be accepted. You didn't have the Teresa Caputo's and the John Edwards. So I worked as a psychic and medium um, until my late 20s. And then I had some unpleasant experiences and I just kind of, went into my shell. None of my abilities left me that I was born with. Um, But I just didn't want to do this work. I didn't want to deal with some of the things that were going on. And then uh, more than 10 years ago now, probably like 13 years ago, I started having some really profound experiences. And, you know, people coming to me who had passed and wanting me to deliver messages. And I started doing that again. But I didn't want the bad experiences So I really was kicking and screaming all the way back into this work. I didn't want to do it. And I got to tell you, I think most mediums who are not not mediums really do this work kicking and screaming um, because it scares them. You know, most, most natural mediums have experiences when they're very young, maybe when they're four or five years old like I did. And so it's difficult to do this work. That's what I think one of the things I try to with is how difficult of work it is. One, because you're dealing with, with hearts and you're dealing with their emotions and you want to be very kind and gentle with them. Um, you know, sometimes it's their most vulnerable time and. Um, But I have really been called to help people because when I did deliver messages again, like 13 years ago, I realized it's really healing. Their faces change when I deliver messages from their loved ones. And so that's why I stepped back into this work.
0: And when you kind of got into this, did you ever have any sort of questions about whether or not this was your real calling? Like, how was your calling like? You know, did you get some message when you were meditating one day, or what was it?
1: You no, know, me. It was, it was a very younger. young age when I had spirit come to me when I was like five years old and started having those encounters. And I actually held my first seance when I was ten years old. I was really called to working with spirit. And doing psychic work too, intuitive work, because I had, I can sit next to somebody and tell them a lot about themselves. And it just comes in. It always has. Now, when I came back into this work about 13 years ago, a lot had changed since I was in my late twenties. And there were a lot of people who were teaching and in helping. So. I went and did a lot of training. I train people now myself, but I did a lot of training to make sure that I was serving people in spirit as best as I could.
0: And what motivated you to sort of serve people in spirit?
1: I kind of don't think I had a choice. (laughs) I, I can't stop them from coming. I do set my boundaries, but... You know, I still, I always laugh because I still sleep with the light on because when I sleep in the dark, I can wake up to a room full of spirits and they all want to talk to me and they all want to tell me their stories. And they all want to want me to deliver messages. So I don't know if I ever consciously said, wow, I want to be a medium and this is what I want to do. It was more, wow, I have these abilities and, you know, they seem a little different than most people's abilities. Most people don't speak to the dad or have these psychic experiences. And so for me, it was more like, well, what do I do with this? And so it was just a natural progression of going in and doing readings for people and then going on and doing this professionally. And again, for me, it really all centers on healing because when when somebody hears from a loved one, That maybe even had something to do with taking their own life, or they were murdered, or they didn't know what happened. It's very very to be able to send a message to them. I start off with evidence first, so they know who they're connected with. But it's very healing hearing from your loved ones in spirit and giving them the evidence so that the client knows that it is indeed their, their loved one.
0: And when you connect with these people, what was your first ever connection with any type of spirit that really hit you the most and really told you, wow, I really can do this.
1: It's probably like threefold for me. Um, when, uh, when I was very young, I lived in England and I'm from a enormous family and my dad was in the military and they didn't have base housing in England for all of us. So they put us up in a monastery and it was a, a monastery that was built in the ninth century. I was probably two or three years old when we lived there and I remember feeling and seeing things, but I don't know. That I consciously said, "Oh, that's a spirit," or you know, "That's not like my mom and dad. That's not like my siblings." But there was an awareness that things were around me, but I don't think I could verbalize that. And then when I was a little bit older, probably around age five, I come from a family that also has this interest, and in, and some in my family are very talented mediums too. They They're not working though. And so my sister had um, just come from a seance. She's about uh, 10 years older than I am. And she had just come from a seance with her friends. And in this seance, it said that spirit would visit her. So she came home and woke me up and said, hey, can you come in my room and sleep with me? Because I'm supposed to have this spirit visit me. I'm five, six years old. And I'm like, sure, why not? So we get into bed and this overwhelming, horrible, sweet perfume fills the room. And I said to my sister, wow, you really smell bad. (laughs) That perfume is awful. And I hate smells to begin with. And she said, I'm not wearing any perfume. And I went, ooh. And in the corner of the room, there was a woman who was sitting, a spirit. And I could see her in my mind's eye, and she started moving towards us. And so- I just hunkered down with my sister and, you know, told this spirit to go away. But I was happy at the same time because I think then I was starting to connect that there's spirits I'm having experiences maybe those things in England were spirits too. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit more, I've always had dreams that are, that are very prophetic. They come true. I've always been that way. So I started having a lot of psychic experiences that I would share, knowing things that were going to happen. And this led me to an interest in the quote, unquote, occult. Um, So back then, uh, there wasn't anywhere to really turn to. So for me, it was I started playing with Ouija boards and tarot cards and things like that and started doing readings naturally, which led me into seances. And then I was fortunate to have family members and then their friends who had an interest in all of this. So I had this great exposure to this whole world of the occult and mediumship and psychic Um there was a place d- downtown in Washington DC called the orb and it was this metaphysical store. And there wasn't many of them back then. There wasn't crystal shops and metaphysical. You couldn't run out and buy. Marriage. And so I got to, <laughs> go to these stores and got to eat in seances. I had. <laughs> that
0: is very cool because, uh, if you had a family of mediums, then you're probably very familiar with those old school kind of medium rituals, you know, where they had the That's ectoplasm amazing. coming out of their mouths. and it was That's complete-
1: exactly what we did. Wow. So I'm very old school when it comes to mediumship and seeing, you know, ectoplasm and all of it. I'm very, very fortunate. And I've seen this um, whole seance you know people wanting to go to seances and stuff and see ectoplasm and this has really come back into vogue um as of late uh and i'm also a physical medium which is very helpful when you're doing these types of seances
0: well regular mediums are already rare enough but i've never you're probably the first ever physical medium i've ever seen so you could actually do all those things that were happening in europe centuries ago
1: Absolutely. I've, I'm able to do it. I'm able to watch people do it. I've uh, been in trances and seance and, and, and all of that stuff. And again, all of that was very, uh, well, back in the seventies and eighties, it was kind of really cloistered. People didn't, I don't know they kind of turned away from it but I think the 60s had helped bring in you know the whole new age wave so I think people started accepting this more but again you know I really credit people like Teresa Caputo and and people like that you know uh Tyler Henry some of these people who have shows and are exposing people to what psychic mediums are because we're vilified <laughs> we're vilified all the time you know just like witches were back in the 16th century.
0: And can you kind of give a bit of a gist on what psychic mediumship is just for people that don't know? And maybe what mediumship is in general, you know?
1: So mediumship is having and holding a conversation with somebody who's no longer in the body. So they're in spirit. And I think and believe that they're probably in a different dimension and that people like me are able to maybe see into other dimensions. That's one way to look at it. You know, it's said that spirit vibrates at a higher vibration and we're a lower vibration so that they have to lower, we have to raise. And then that's where two worlds meet is in that vibration, that connection. But it's actually really making that connection and having a conversation. Psychic information is just about reading people, what's going on in their lives now, maybe some stuff that happened in their past, and then maybe some things that might be coming up. I do believe in free will. So I may have a sense of things coming up, but you know, somebody hears something that they don't want to do in the future, they're not going to do it. So that's where free will comes in. But it's just kind of getting that sense around them, including things like relationships and maybe, you know, health things that are are around or maybe coming up, things of that nature. It's just kind of reading the energy and spirit can also give that information. So when I'm doing mediumship and I have your mother here, you know, your mom may be saying, hey, by the way, (laughs) you're getting married or by the way, I have. You know your child here with me. You're going to have a baby in whatever months. It's
0: very interesting. And what could you do as a physical medium?
1: So physical mediumship. It says that physical mediums are born, and those are the ones who really have things move around them. So I know when I was younger, and some of those may have been a little bit of poltergeist activity. But a lot of it I know is, is still that physical mediumship where you can have ectoplasm form, things move around you. It's physical. There's physical manifestations of your abilities. So that's what... in physical mediums are very rare. If you look at the show, The Dead Files, Amy, who does that show, is the only physical medium that I know is a physical medium on television. So they're very very rare but physical mediums also help other mediums too. They kind of help energize and and spark other mediums.
0: How like how do you get into sort of a séance? Like how do you practice that type of ritual? Do you just bring people over and turn off the lights and stuff just happens?
1: Um it's Bit more than that, but yeah, you have the gist of it. Sometimes I'll hold seance for people, sometimes I'll have seance, you know, for myself and my friends. Sometimes I go to spiritualists or metaphysical churches and they hold seance. So there's all kinds of different ways that you hold seance, but typically. You're going to want to have ectoplasm form and you're going to want to have the spirit box form so that spirit can speak. And so you have to set up the foundation uh, for having that type of seance. And um, there's a a movie. And in fact, you had a guest on who um, studies mediums. I don't know if they are a medium, but the the movie, I think it's Afterlife. That was just on Netflix. They actually show some of the things in setting up for a physical mediumship, a, a seance type.
0: <laughs> so if you were listening to my last show, you're like, oh, I'm a physical medium. You know, <laughs> That's great. And when you're preparing these seances now, what were the first thoughts that just came to your mind when you were doing that? I'm just wondering, you know, mentally, maybe emotionally, how you were feeling. It must have been a bit different, you know?
1: Doing seances now or doing seances when I was young?
0: When it was young, maybe your first ever seance. Like, what was going through your mind?
1: So, I can tell you the story. Um, I, w- it was 1970, I was 10 years old. And there was a show called Alias Smith and Jones. And I, you you probably don't remember any of this, you have to be old enough. <laughs> but uh, there was a show in that one of the main characters, it was kind of modeled after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, because that was a really popular movie. So they did a show. And the main character was Pete Dool. I love the show. I thought it was fun. Well, unfortunately, on New Year's, Um, New Year's Eve or early New Year's Day of 1970, he took his own life. And so New Year's Eve, I decided to have a seance (laughs) and call him in. And that's exactly what me and my friends did. So we took a picture of him from the newspaper and put it on the bed and darkened the room and all the things that I had done with uh, my sister and her friends Um, you know, doing seances and stuff and just kind of asked him to show up and stuff. And uh, so there was physical pinging in the room. It sounds like people, you know, knocking all around the room. And then in the mirror, you'll start seeing lights and orbs and stuff. So we started seeing that. And then I think one of the funniest things that happened, there were all these bottles that were on the windowsill. Like back in the day, bottles were fun to collect, I guess. And they were on the windowsill all the bottles crashed together and fell to the floor. Nobody was near the bottles. There was no sonic booms. There wasn't anything that could have caused that. So when that happened and the bottles shattered to the floor, we all just screamed and ran out of the room.
0: Yeah, that sounds quite realistic right there towards the end. When you started to do this more, did it ever feel regular for you to just Speak to people that have passed. Were you ever worried that they may not have wanted to be spoken to at all? Have you ever gotten experiences? What are the different types of, uh, let me kind of fix this question up a bit. What are kind of the different experiences you have with different spirits? Do you have different labels for the different spirits you interact with?
1: So mediumship is talking to a loved one who used to be on earth. And is no longer in the body. So they have left the body and they're back in spirit. That's who I'm talking to. That's true mediumship. If people are talking to spirit guides or ascended masters or any of that, that's not technically mediumship. It's maybe channeling somebody or talking to your spirit guide. I don't tell people they're spirit guides. I don't tell people who their helpers are or who their ascended masters are i'll take them through a meditation to maybe meet them but that's not for anyone to tell people who they are at least i you know that's my belief system but true mediumships when when you get into mediums it's someone is has booked with you or you've run into somebody and you're reading for them and you are reading a person who used to live on earth so I hope that kind of clears things up. That's evidential mediumship or mental mediumship. In in Europe, we call it uh, mental mediumship. And in the United States, we call it evidential mediumship.
0: Okay. Okay. So, all right. Medium is sort of a more specific thing. Channeling is more of an umbrella term for a lot of different things. Okay. So you only focus on people that have passed. And... How did you feel interacting with these people initially? Were you ever initially afraid? Did you ever think, oh, okay, this is going to be a good one? Like, do you ever have a feeling? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. think you would want to do, you know, a seance with maybe, you know, somebody that may have a criminal record.
1: It's interesting. I probably would. I I don't know that them having a criminal record would bother me at all. You mean talking about bringing somebody in who was maybe a mass murderer? Of course, No, I won't do that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I believe that, I believe there's evil, just like I believe there's good. And sometimes, and I do get some spirits that are like that and play games. I can give you an example, though, because it was really helpful. About a year ago, I tend to get stuff when I'm in the shower. I think, you know, you're relaxed and (laughs) that's when spirit comes in. You really, mediums really can't help keeping spirit out. I think that's one of the questions you were talking about. So spirits approaching me all the time, and I'm telling him yes, or I'm telling him no. So I was taking a shower getting ready for my readings. And I stepped out of the shower, I had a towel around and I had a spirit grab and lift up my towel in a provocative way. And it made me so angry. Because it crosses boundaries with me, you know, mediums get touched and stuff. It's one of the, one of the clairs, but it's got to be with permission. There's got to be respect there. So when he did that, I knew right away that it was for my next reading. And so I got kind of a download. So this person had kidnapped and sexually assaulted somebody and he was in spirit. So when I, when I got to the session, I said, I said, are you ready to hear this? I have somebody you may not want to hear from, but he's coming through because he wants forgiveness. So she said, go ahead and share it. Well, and I told her, I said, he presents himself as Freddy Krueger. And I know that he kidnapped and raped and hurt somebody terribly. Well, it turns out it was her sister. And her sister had never seen her assailant. And so for the rest of her life, this had happened like 20 years ago, maybe more. She was always afraid because she didn't know who her assailant was. And it's even more interesting because she called her assailant Freddy Krueger. So this, this person who hurt somebody so badly was coming through and asking for forgiveness And I told my client, I said, look, you know, I hope you share this with your sister. She doesn't have to forgive him. She doesn't have to do anything. But the nice part is she can rest assured that her assailant, Freddy Krueger, is dead. He's on the other side, and he could never harm her physically in this world again. So that's in where I'll allow somebody who was a criminal, because it really made me mad what he did. But it was really profound to share with my client and the healing that that brought in.
0: Well, that is, you definitely have a very selfless attitude in some sense too, but I kind of want to, that's a very good story, but I kind of want to go into now, how do you run your business in a sense? How did you sort of grow and build this business as a medium? Because it's one thing being good at what you do but you're also a businesswoman as well. So if you could kind of talk to me about how you created that synergy.
1: Well, one thing, I love business. I love everything about business. I've had businesses before this. My um, study program uh, in college was business. So how to run a business to me is just fascinating. Um, I think mediumship is very different Then uh, the other companies that I had, I had a computer company, and I also had a jewelry business where um, I'm a silversmith, so I was doing jewelry. But this is very different being a medium because I think really all you can do is build it up through your reputation. And then I've been extremely, extremely fortunate with the media. So I've had magazines that have featured me. I've had, you know, podcasts like you who asked for me to come on. Um, the Washington Post uh, did an article, they, they talked to me as a psychic medium about um, the new area code for the Washington Post. So I've been very fortunate to be in the media and, and get the reputation out there. And then, of course, you know, clients and word of mouth, so when when we talk about business, it's not the nuts and bolts so much. I find mediumship very different. And some of the, the groups that I would be in, like when I have my computer business, when I have my jewelry business, these networking groups that I would be in, like the Chamber of Commerce. Well, I'm an anomaly. I've gone to Chamber of Commerce meetings as a psychic medium, and people sit like 10 feet away from me. So it's very different. Than, than any other business that I've had in, in doing this work.
0: And how does it how does it go with psychic to client work? What sort of rules and regulations and systems do you follow? And do you also have some permits or well well you have a family of mediums, so that probably adds to the credibility. Well, yeah.
1: But they're not working Well, I mean, you're you're going to do everything that you would do for any type of business. So you're going to have your, you know, I pay taxes. I've got the local, state, federal, um, all of those things. I have an office. So as far as business goes, all of those things are all the same. It's just it's a little bit different than maybe how you advertise or What groups you're going to be in, like, as I said, Chamber of Commerce is probably not a great fit for me. It's not where I'm going to get my business.
0: What do you consider your ideal client? Because you told me a very uh, interesting client story there. And I'm just wondering, what would you consider the best client for you that can create the best sort of interaction that creates the best outcome, of course?
1: My best client is going to be somebody who's going to be open, just open to the possibility. I always get skeptics and I don't mind skeptics at all. I mean, I'm a skeptic too. I'm always skeptical about even my own work. You know, sometimes my own work shocks me and the things that come through. But I always say I live in the awe and wonder of it all. But my ideal client is just somebody who's who's open. If you're somebody who's really black and white and, you know, it's either yes or it's no. And you want to hear from one specific person and it's the only person you want to hear from and you don't want to hear from anybody else then you may not want to do mediumship until you're ready to hear for whomever is going to come through for you, which I believe the people that come through are the ones that they're really supposed to be hearing from. It happens every once in a while that the person they want to hear from doesn't come through. But most of the time, probably 90, 95%, the person that they've been waiting to hear from does come through.
0: And when you do this all, what sort of... um. What I'm trying to get is what sort of code of conduct do you sort of follow? Is there a certain way you go about doing your psychic work that may be different or similar to the way other psychics do it as well when it comes to client to psychic respect?
1: Yes, that's a great question, too. I don't appreciate the psychic who blurts out that people are sick or when they're going to die or that they're going to get in a horrible accident. Uh, so that code of ethics is that when you receive information that may not be so pleasant, you present it in a way that's kind and comfortable for the person to maybe receive it and to always remind them two things. They have free will and a psychic medium can be wrong. I know a lot of psychics and mediums out there think they're hundred percent, but you know, we're human too. So on a good day, we're probably 80, 90%. So sometimes we get things wrong. So for me, I always remind people, and I've had to deliver, and I always ask people, I'm like, look, I'm getting something that I feel you need to know, but you know, I want you to know you have free will. I don't want to scare you and stuff. So I kind of prepare them and make sure they're ready to hear it. And so sometimes you have to deliver news because there's an urgency to it. And I've told this story before, but I think it's a good one. I had a client who, uh, a a woman who I'd been seeing for years, probably three or four years. I kept picking up her husband and I kept heart problems with her husband. And so the last time I saw her, I said, look, you know, I'm still picking up some heart issues. She said, no, he's got like bronchitis and lung issues and stuff. And they have him on medication for the bronchitis he's had, and I said, "Okay, I just want you to write it down or put it in the back of your head and stuff, because I am picking up heart." And I was actually picking up Alan Thick because Tyler Henry, who's a very famous medium, young medium, had told um, Alan Thick that he had a heart issue and that he really needed to have him get it checked out. Well, Alan Thick didn't; he passed from a heart attack four months. After the reading, I kept pinging on that. So lo and behold, her husband had another incident with the lungs, you know, where he couldn't get his breath. She remembered what I said. She rushed him to the hospital and they took him in. His heart was seizing and he would have been dead in 20 minutes. They took him right into surgery and they fixed his heart. So her remembering that and taking him to the hospital saved his life. So that's where you want to be able to deliver information like that, but not scare people and remind them they have free will. So it really is the ethics of mediumship and readings. The other one, too, I want to mention is, and I've, I saw it again recently, um, after George Floyd was murdered, uh, there was a medium who was out there who was advertising advertising that she was channeling George Floyd and for everyone to tune in and to listen to the channel. This is unethical. (laughs) You don't do this type of stuff, especially in a time that is, you know, people are mourning and it's a, it's just not the right time. And I just saw it recently too, where somebody was posting about the missing girl, a uh, woman in, I think her name is Peppato, out in um, uh, Utah or somewhere around there, and she's advertising that she's channeling her. Even if, even if it's true, even if it's true, it's unethical to put that out there and to try to make money off of somebody's suffering like that. You just don't do it. It's unethical.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I think some things such as that are meant to do are meant to be done individually, in private at worst, not shown to the public in that sort of way, because, you know, it's just not respectful to the families either. You know,
1: it's not. It's not at all. And that's the other thing, too. So anytime I meet somebody and they say, what do you do for a living? I tell them I'm a psychic medium. Everyone goes, what do you get? What do you get from me? Well, I don't read anybody until they're ready. So for me, I'm like, when you book a session with me, it shows me that you're ready. You show spirit. You're ready. You show everyone you're ready. You know, I don't believe in ambush reading people. Even if I get things for them, I never share. Because are they ready to receive? If they're ready to receive and they want to hear things, they'd seek out a medium. Just like, you know, George Floyd's family, if they wanted to hear from him, if they have that belief system, right, because not everybody believes in mediums, they're going to get in touch with a medium to reach out and to hear from their son.
0: And do you think a lot of these, I do know some content creators that do this, but do you think a lot of these spirit box content creator readers that kind of post these things whenever someone passes, do you think they're the real deal?
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Are you talking about the paranormal groups that do spirit boxes?
0: Yeah, whenever someone passes away, that's famous.
1: I don't know. I I certainly believe the possibility is there. You're able to connect really with anyone on the other side, you know, after they're passed if you really want to connect with them. I'm not so sure about spirit boxes. I do paranormal investigations, but I'm the equipment, <laughs> you know, the medium's the equipment. So I don't really use anything but my camera and, and me. So I'm I'm just not as familiar with people tapping into famous people with spirit boxes.
0: No, well, I trust the concept of mediumship. I just don't trust the people. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't think you got that, yeah.
1: I, you know, I think you're always going to have the good and the bad in every industry. You're always going to have people... Who just are unethical, or they want to make money, or you know, whatever. I think it, it's going to happen in any industry that you have. So there's always good and bad. So my advice is, you know, always do your research. Do your research on who you're going to have a reading with. They should have a pretty good reputation out there.
0: Well, this falls in line with another one. How do we find a medium like you, and not some fraud?
1: Well, I think the Internet's a great way, you know, nowadays, although there's a lot of them out there. And, you know, if if somebody is talking about removing spells or, uh, you know, trying to – that you're going to make a million dollars or any, anything that sounds like a scheme, uh, yeah, I'd probably avoid them. Most mediums have a reputation and, and word of mouth. Like, it gets around, and that's probably one of the main ways – that people find me is through clients. Um, People have always found me too, like on social media, I do posts and stuff. So people can kind of get to know the person. Most people, and I really believe this is how spirit works, when people are seeking out a medium, I think spirit helps them find the medium. So they go through and they do their searches or they ask friends or however they go about trying to find a medium. As a matter of fact, I have a blog about it too, that kind of talks about, you know, social media and connecting with others and stuff, connecting with your network to see if there's somebody out there. But um, I do believe in, in, in checking them out, check out their social media, check out their testimonials, check out everywhere. Where are they? I mean, for me, like, I've been in magazines, I've been on podcasts, people can listen to my podcast and kind of see what I'm like. So I believe that spirit brings people together, brings the medium with the client. Most times when I get a client, they're like, I just knew when I saw a picture of you, I knew you were the one. They're using their own intuition, I think spirit, their own their own families guiding them and I think it's a great connection then, because I've always found I have so much in common. Like we may all have the same size family, or have the same number of brothers, or have some of the same life experiences, and so Spirit can use me to say, "Hey, these are the things that happened in your life." So share these things. That way, it's very easy for me to connect with them and tell them about what Spirit's saying or psychic.
0: And. What type of advice would you give to your younger self to get yourself to hear where you are right now?
1: Well, I would uh, I've always trusted my intuition, so that would be the the big one. So I would, you know, probably emphasize even more to trust my intuition, but also to, you know, follow what my heart says. Follow what I'm supposed to be doing and what my heart says and to not worry about what everyone else is out there thinking.
0: And how do you actually go about that? How do you go about listening to your intuition? Because I think a lot of times intuition is sort of the key to a lot of these psychic abilities. How does one sort of tap into that?
1: I absolutely agree. And when I teach, I start everybody off with a class on intuition, And then move them into psychic and then move them into mediumship if they're called to it. Trusting your intuition. So when you get goosebumps, notice when you get goosebumps, I call them truth bumps. It's your body, your intuition trying to tell you something's going on. When the hair raises on the back of your neck, it's your intuition telling you that you probably are in danger. You know, look at some of the physical signs of your body, which I don't think we really have that mind-body-spirit connection. We seem to be very disconnected in the United States. But I think listening to your body, and then we all have that inner voice that says, you know what? You really should call. You really should call. You should do it right now. Make that telephone call. And in your mind, you go, nope, I'm not going to do it. Nope, I'm not going to do it. But just allowing that intuition to come through because it's telling you what to do. The other one, too, for me is dreams. Like, listen to your dreams. Analyze them every morning. What are your dreams trying to tell you? Where are they trying to lead you? What does it mean to you? And if you don't know, talk to somebody about your dreams. They're so prophetic. And it's your own self trying to lead yourself.
0: And how did you sort of, were you always this, did you always have a personality that's strong or, or did you have to cultivate that?
1: No, I'm the youngest of seven and five of them are brothers. So I think the youngest are always the loudest and probably the strongest in personality. I've always had a very, very strong personality. I've been very fortunate in my life to have that strong sense of self and where I'm going and what I'm doing and and confidence in that. And I'm not trying to sound cocky in that. It's just this kind of where I am. And, you know, I think that was cultivated a lot through my mom, who was a really, really strong person. So I admired that about my mom. She could be she could be a real piece of work, too, but uh, she had this very, very strong personality that was modeled for me. I always said that if my mother was born in this time, she would be the head of some Fortune 500 company.
0: So your mother was probably one of the biggest influences you had when it came to developing your own character.
1: She was definitely one of them. Yeah, definitely. That's that strong you know, personality. I I think she she made it okay to to be that way. Like it wasn't unusual for a woman to have a really strong personality at a time when, you know, women stayed home and took care of the kids and had dinner on the table and a martini for the husband when they got home. So she had to, you know, kind of walk walk the line. But she was definitely a strong Strong personality. She wore the pants in the family. That's for darn sure.
0: (laughs) And what types of services do you provide? And what are your favorite services to provide? Because the way I see it, seances are a lot more like shows. But then the psychic readings are more one-on-one. Which ones do you prefer more often?
1: I'm somebody who likes a nice mix. So, séances, I really don't offer séances. It's not something that I do that it really is private and personal. So, it's not like I'm offering séances out there because I think séances can they have to be very controlled. And so because of that controlled, you have you just have to have the right people and stuff. So, I really don't hold séances that often and it's really for personal. The rest of it is doing my psychic mediumship. I also do tarot cards. I've been reading tarot cards since I was eight, nine years old. I love doing past life regressions. I love channeling Reiki for people. Normally, when I channel Reiki for people, which is bringing them back into balance, hands off, you know, we're not doing hands on. Uh, healing, I wish it was hands on, but where I live, you can 't touch somebody unless you 're a doctor or so on, but the hands off healing, which goes with an intuitive reading that 's what a lot of people book, and then doing astrology, I love doing especially uh, most of the astrology I do is very specific i'm i'm trained and certified in Hellenistic astrology and studied western tropical my whole life but in astrology i love doing like soul purpose charts why did you come here what's in what was in your past uh what experiences might you have here you know what karma did you bring in so those are some of my favorite and then forecasting i love doing forecasting for people in astrology especially having psychic abilities too so you can kind of do a little bit of what's in your chart and here's what we see. And, you know, the moons and Pisces and the suns and cancer and so on, and have know what those mean, but also have that psychic side. When you get, wow, I have a sense of where you were, where you are and where you're going to.
0: And do you think your skills as a medium sort of compound? Well, you already mentioned the astrology, but how does it compound again with getting into Reiki? Because I think Reiki is a little bit more different. It's more about energy projection, not really so much about using, you know, this right here.
1: Well, if you think about it, doing psychic readings, I'm working with your aura. So when you walk in, everything that happened to you that day is just sitting right in your aura. And I'll, I'll give you for example, I had a woman come in for Reiki, and I said, hmm. I have knitting. I just have you knitting, knitting, knitting. And she said, driving over, she had thought, wouldn't it be great to take up knitting again? And how much she loved knitting. And she wanted to go buy some yarn and some needles right after the Reiki session. So that's where I think Reiki and psychic come in or or intuition. And most people, because I teach Reiki too, Most people that go through Reiki training become very intuitive. In fact, some of them become very psychic. They walk hand in hand. And also knowing what's going on with somebody. When you're working, when I put my hands in your aura and I'm working around, there's all kinds of information there. And it's just going to channel right in.
0: Okay. And when it comes to Reiki and healing, what is sort of your... Position or ranking? Are you more a person that focuses more on healing yourself or are you more on the master territory where you actively work on people from a distance?
1: Well, you, you can do a little. Are you talking about distance Reiki versus hands on Reiki?
0: Yes, that's what I'm talking about.
1: So distance Reiki, I think, can be just as effective. And as a matter of fact, in all the studies they did on Reiki, that's how it was done, was distance Reiki. A lot of those studies are on my website, too, with some links to um, some of the different places like uh, Johns Hopkins and stuff that did these studies. But they did studies like on um, uh, in, in utero uh, to do healing on babies in the womb. So it was definitely distance Reiki. For me, it's just channeling is channeling because we know in Reiki, you can channel it forward, you can channel it backward. So I don't think that it matters that you have to be in person. And with COVID, I'm channeling Reiki all over and I'm just on the telephone with people. Does that answer
0: Yeah, that definitely answers the question. And when we go into channeling Reiki, are you actually... Pushing your energy into someone else, or are you more correcting the energy in someone's body?
1: Okay. So I'm not using my own energy because that would deplete me. So what I'm doing is I'm channeling the energy of Reiki. I kind of liken it to Star Wars. So I find the force, and I channel the force specifically to somebody. Now for me, I don't really think I'm doing anything. What I feel is I'm holding space for them to come back into balance and to heal themselves. So it really is about, you know, when we talk about dis-ease, anytime there's disease present, it's because your body is out of balance. So if you can make those corrections, if you can bring the body back into balance through the chakras, through your aura, working with your aura, working with your chakras or your client's chakras. That's how you can help bring it back into balance. And I really believe that people work on them their own selves. I don't think that, you know, there's anything really special about a, a Reiki master. They're just channeling a specific energy but I believe that we all can heal ourselves and we all have capacity to help e- heal other people. And if you look at this in physics, we can look at the quantum entanglement. Have you ever seen a prayer chain where somebody's sick and they're like, you know, let's yeah. all bring yeah. prayers and then the person miraculously gets better? And I think it's because of that quantum entanglement of everyone putting their focus on that person to come back into balance.
0: So, okay, so what I'm getting here is this Reiki is more of a it's a separate force and you're sort of like a Channel. a conductor and you're kind of guiding it.
1: Okay. Yes. All right. In And all like it I think this is the easiest one. When you walk into a Starbucks or wherever you go or you come to somebody's house you're like, "Hey, what's your Wi-Fi password?" right? I want to get on your Wi-Fi. Reiki's Wi-Fi. So hey, so I train people and I've been trained to tap into that Wi-Fi. And then you don't see it, hear it, touch it, right? You can't you can't qualify or quantify Wi-Fi, can you? No. So then I'm just taking that Wi-Fi and saying, hey, put it, put it right here on this person, wherever they're having issues, maybe their right knee is killing them. So I'm like, okay, let's take all that energy and put it on the right knee and allow it to do what it does, which is, again, I think it's bringing everything back into balance, which is really the cure, staying in balance.
0: And when it comes to all of this, how would how does astrology sort of work in with your readings in a sense? Do you sort of do you think astrology can somehow supplement your readings at times where you won't even have to do your readings at all? Because I sort of see astrology like palm reading in a sense. You know, it's sort of it's a science and it's more knowledge-based to the point where you don't really need to use psychic abilities too much.
1: Um, I know um, a, lot I a lot of astrologers who are not psychic, so, right. so the people that I trained with, and in fact, uh, you know, I trained with a lot of people with Hellenistic, and including uh, Chris Brennan, who wrote the book on it. I don't think any of them would consider themselves a psychic. I think psychic definitely helps. But you're right, it's more like the the science part of it. And palmistry, you know, that's a tradition that comes down. And in fact, astrology and palm reading go hand in hand. You really, if you want to verify somebody's chart, your palm is one of the ways you're going to do it, especially in Vedic astrology. But I think psychic is always going to help. Now, I know that there are astrologers out there. In fact, there's astrologers, I think, somehow tied to AR. ARC, which is Edgar Casey's uh, research, uh, that do psychic astrology, and I'm I'm really not for psychic astrology. I don't want somebody to psychically say what the moon means or psychically say what the sun means because we know there are specific things and you know what house they are in and and uh, what placement and what sign and you know so there's there's so much more to it that is scientifically based
0: that's a very very interesting thing so it's almost as if science and spirituality can exist but it's never good to have them intertwine
1: Well, i think it's good to it. so in the part where you know, like I look at, I think that's why I do past life regression, why I think it's so helpful too, because in your chart, you'll actually see some past lives and some of the experience that you may have experienced in other lifetimes. So if you realize that, and then you're bringing karma into this lifetime, which isn't serving you, isn't it good to know to be able to do a past life regression, uh, to to maybe work through some of that karma, at least realize it. And then with the psychic part of it, it's nice to have a psychic there going, wow, because when I'm leading people through past life regressions, I'm whether they're talking to me or not, I'm getting things I'm getting their lives that are coming up and stuff. So after the past life regression, when we go into question and answer period and stuff, it kind of helps to say, you know, I was right there in your past life. Here's some of the things I saw. And maybe that can help work through their karma or, why something was happening in their lives. So I always think the psychic part or intuitive part is always really helpful in anything that I do, including like you were talking about business, including business decisions. Like I've always flown by the seat of my pants with intuition in every decision I've made, especially, you know, business decisions and stuff.
0: Now, that's very interesting because there was another, um, there was a tarot card reader and she told me the same thing. She said her clairvoyance really helped her when it came to running businesses as well.
1: You know, if you look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs out there, if you look at Stephen Jobs, especially who I think he was somewhat of a jerk or at least how people portray him. But he was somebody who is fairly spiritual, or at least, you know, some of the things that I've read about him and surmise uh, his spirituality, but he also went with his intuition. And if you look at any business person and why they're so successful, they're like, I, they led with their intuition. They may not call it intuition. They'll call it their gut. I went with my gut.
0: Yeah, a lot of times people call it the gut feeling. And now... When you're, I'm still trying to get this astrology, you know, psychic thing around. Can you give me one example with a client where you kind of intertwine the astrology with being a psychic? Do you just yeah, do that naturally with your readings? or I, I
1: do it naturally. And I think that's what people really expect from, from when they're doing a reading with me. You know, tarot cards, like if you, if you look at tarot cards, they're just a tool. It's divination. It's it's not so much the cards because you can have somebody who can sit there and you know read the hermit, and here's the hermit, and when it's upside down, this is what it means, and when it's right side up, this is what it means. Like the psychic is the one who's gonna bring more to what that card means and then what the spread is and stuff. So in astrology, which tarot cards and astrology also walk hand in hand, but in astrology, I'll give an example. So I had a client who she had some things coming up about legal right that that there were things in her chart that were showing that she was going to have some legal issues and the one thing I said to her is honey you need to sidestep all of that you're going to get you're going to step in a big pile of poo poo if you walk down that path that legal path and she told me three months later she said something did come up she knew she expected it or she had a you know she was had a feeling or with the reading knew something was coming up. And she said she sidestepped it. She took the advice and she sidestepped it. And she said she avoided a huge lawsuit. So that's where astrology, tarot cards, and psychic all just walk hand in hand. I can see things in people's chart, but then may be able to give a little bit more information about what they may or may not want to do with that that's coming up. Do you like that?
0: <sighs> that that made a lot more sense. Yes.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like saying that astronomy and astrology are kind of science. You know, astronomy is a, is a science. You have to know astronomy to do astrology, but astrology is not a science. It's not, it's not a recognized science. It's still considered divination. It's still considered.
0: What do you think will happen with the future of mediums and psychics? Do you think they'll ever be mainstream?
1: I think they're mainstream right now. I think they're readily accepted now. I think that we will go away. I believe the people who are being born today, and including the millennials, which you you might... Are you a millennial? Are you in the millennial group?
0: I, I believe I'm Gen Z, but I initially thought I was millennial.
1: When... Okay. All right. So... The, the millennials, I think the reason that so many people have issues with them is because they are, you know, your starseed and your chrysalin and your indigo children that are all coming in. And they're very intuitive and they're very psychic. And probably a lot of them are mediums. I think they're not going to need people like me. I think we'll be a dying breed. You're just not going to need anyone. You, you'll just hop in for yourself.
0: Really? Are you sure? Because Some people would need to train those skills technically.
1: Well, hone, hone those skills. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that skills definitely need to be honed. It's just like, you know, the baseball player who shows great promise. Well, you got to go to baseball camp or, you know, somebody who's a virtuoso, somebody who plays guitar, piano, or something like that. They still have to hone those skills. So Yeah. Yeah, you have to hone your your intuition. You have to hone your psychic. You have to hone your leadership.
0: I just would find it very hard to believe that someone as yourself would be outclassed by someone that was just born with I decent reading abilities.
1: No, I don't think outclassed. I just I just think that the you know, the need won't be there. It's just like We don't have wall phones anymore. You know, home phone lines have gone away. There's mobile phones. People are more connected. I just, I think people will be much more connected to each other. So I just don't think there'll be that great need for psychics and mediums. I think millennials trust themselves a lot more too. I have two millennials myself, and I think that they just trust themselves a lot more. They follow their intuition a lot more.
0: And, you know, I also think maybe a lot of these intuitive people would want to go to you more often because if they're intuitive, that means they'll have an easier time reading out the actual good psychics and not the frauds.
1: Yeah, Uh, definitely.
0: All right. So that was a great talk. Do you have any final words you would like to sort of say to the audience before we finish this up?
1: how about trust your intuition follow your intuition it'll never lead you wrong you just have to learn how to trust it as though it's your best friend
0: all right i'm jimbo paris and this is the jimbo paris show thanks again guys all right we're out thank you thank you for listening to the jimbo paris show